You are listening to a broadcast of Dublin First Baptist Church, Pastor Cameron McGill in Dublin, North Carolina. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist Church and the Lake Church to hear from God's Word. I ask the adults to turn in their Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, the 22nd chapter, and invite the kiddos, if they would like, to be dismissed to Children's Church. One verse I just want to call your attention. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. just by way of introduction. It's interesting to note that Jesus was a Jew, a devout Jew, and he would quote the Shema. Before we get into that, I do want to show you a couple of uh, pictures and let you know of some things going on. And uh, first, uh, there we go. That's the picture we were looking for before, and that's Dwight in the middle, and he's been here a number of times and shared his testimony. And uh, every time I talk with him, he wants me to thank you all for all that you've done and uh, for reaching him. And he is an, a miracle, an absolute miracle of the faithfulness of you and of Dublin First Baptist in planting a church in a place that people desperately needed a church. And uh, so I'm grateful. And then maybe uh, you're wondering, where's Tab? Well, she made it home. Um, and does that picture come out fairly well? Eh, not too good, but that's her uh, heading home. So. <laughs> Far, far from, and that's Main Street. That's the main highway. Uh, that is the main highway going through the village. So, uh, beautiful place. Uh, appreciate your prayers and all that you did for her and uh, continue to do for her. Matthew 22, verse number 37. Jesus said, as the Pharisees were trying to trap him. You know, people will trap you sometimes. Religious people have been playing games for a long time. And they're trying to trap Jesus. So, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus very quickly responded with his Jewish upbringing. And he quoted the Shema. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy mind. In another text, he adds strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Did you know that we are triparted? We're a complex people. We are physical. In fact, when you think of one another, you probably automatically think of their physical appearance. You associate a name with a person and what they look like and their age and just an appearance package, if you will. We're also mental. You agree? Anybody know anybody that's a little bit mental? I'm there. We're, we're mental. We're, we're thinking people. We don't just act and react based on impulse or instinct. We are thinking people. We think deeply. We think through things. Tiffany often accuses me of overthinking things, in fact. And then we are also spiritual. We have a soul. It is that one thing that separates us from the animal world. We are deeply spiritual. Even those who claim no relationship with faith or religion are still deeply spiritual people. That's just part of who we are. Somebody said, well, I don't have faith. I am an atheist. But brother, it takes more faith to be an atheist to be a Christian any day. But we are, we are spiritual in nature. And this morning, I, we were going to do this last week, but 
We didn't have church, so we're just kind of bumping into this week, and it's still the beginning of a new year, just a few weeks in. So what we're going to do just very quickly is we're going to have a little bit of an exam. We're going to examine ourselves, and then we're going to examine the church as a body, and then just kind of a very quick little uh, word of encouragement for the new year. I believe it's important we start off on the right foot. Uh, If you were leading an army of a million men, you could lead them well as long as you all started out on the right foot. So let's look, number one at a personal exam. I don't know about you, but I don't particularly like going to the doctor for a checkup because just like taking your car to the shop, they are bound to find something wrong. But let's look at this uh, from a physical standpoint. When we look at a new year, everybody makes New Year's resolutions. I'm going to eat less, exercise more. I'm going to quit this bad habit and start this good habit. Man, by the end of the year, I'm going to look like Mr. Universe. You know, we have great goals. But there is a sense of biblical responsibility to care for our physical body. Uh, The fact of the matter is that we have a hard time caring uh, for the needs of others if we're not physically able. We have a hard time being on mission for God if we're not physically able. A hard time even worshiping. know over the holidays some things happened to me. I don't know about you, but my, uh, my, my shirt's got a little bit tighter and my tie's a little bit tighter. And I was trying to sing early this morning. I thought, I can hardly sing uh, in this shirt. I guess I need to get a bigger shirt. But sometimes we realize that our physical bodies uh, literally affect our spiritual, literally affect our mental. So it's important that we take care of our physical body. By the way, you've only got one, right? You've only got one. Uh, I, I don't like to buy, and this is just the way it is. I, I'm scared sometimes to... Uh, to buy, uh, don't tell everybody this show, sh- I'm scared to buy a used car because I don't know how the last guy took care of it, right? Okay, does that make sense? Because you don't ever know, you don't ever know. The fact of the matter is that I'm responsible for taking care of this body. It's the only one I got. When it wears out, I can't trade it in on a new model. We can try as we may have, you know, surgeries and take the medicines and all the kind of things, but the damage is already done, so we got to take care of our body. Secondly, and I just encourage you in that, think about that with a new year. Secondly, Emotionally, we examine ourselves. Where am I? What am I thinking on? The Bible says that we are to ponder on the things of God, that we're to think on the things of God, that we're to concentrate on those things that are good and holy and just and pure and all of this. But what is occupying your mind most of the time? When you wake up in the morning, what's on your mind? When you lay it down at night, what's on your mind? Sometimes I'll visit a shut-in and, and they'll have the 24-hour news on. That's a, a great thing. We can keep up what's going on at 4 o'clock in the morning. We can know, know the latest news. But sometimes we allow our minds to be so saturated with news. And by the way, most of it's not good news. That becomes all we can think about. All that occupies our mind. The Bible tells us that we need to concentrate on the things of God. That we need, uh, you know, I love the old hymn that says, you know, the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. When we're in His presence and allowing our minds to focus and concentrate on the things of God, everything else then has a different perspective. And then thirdly, our spiritual health. Individually, where are we now compared to a year ago? Would you say that you're closer to the Lord, further from the Lord? Are you growing spiritually in your faith? Are you spending more time in the Word of God? Are you investing in those things? Sometimes I'll be counseling a, a couple before they get married and we talk about a lot of things and we'll talk about specifically financial things and, and the importance of saving. Almost everybody I know that's my age or older will say, I wished I could go back and start all over and just put $50 or $100 or whatever it might be in the bank. I could have done that. I could have done that every month. And boy, now what it would be. 
There would be an investment and there would be a return on the investment and there would be something to show for all those years. Think about that spiritually. When we begin investing by, 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 by nurturing ourselves in the Word of God and by being involved in the programs and things of the church, then we're growing and year after year after year we're building on something and we're growing and we're cultivating something that will cause us to have a greater foundation to build our life upon. Spiritually, where are you? I'm not trying to beat you up or make you feel bad. I want to encourage you. These are, let me tell you, I'll tell you where you are. You're right where you want to be. You're right where you want to be. I want to imagine for a moment, I come walking in the church this morning with my water bottle. And I say, I'm so thirsty, Brother Ricky. I am so thirsty. I'm so thirsty, you know. I just, whew, I'm so thirsty. I'm about, to, I'm about to thirst to death. I'm so thirsty. You know what somebody would say to me? Well, it's your own fault. You got a bottle of water right in your hand. Why don't you do something about it? Drink a little bit. Take you a gulp. Drink the whole thing. I mean, it's right there. Where are we spiritually? We're right where we want to be. God is not playing hide and seek. He's not playing games. He's not trying to be uh, hard to get. I mean, He wants to have a close personal relationship with us. In fact, the Bible says, seek Him early. That is, seek Him first while He might be found. The Bible says, draw near to me and I'll draw near unto you. You and I are right where we want to be spiritually. That's kind of tough to stomach, isn't it? You mean the only reason I'm not more spiritually mature, it's my, my own fault? Yeah. Yeah. You see, we have this idea that it's other people's responsibility. If I have a child, then the church should train them up. No, the Bible says that we're to train them up. You know, the Bible uh, you know, or the church should be offering programs to me. I ought to be able to come to church and just kind of go through it and just get spiritually mature. There ought to be some kind of magic potion that the church can offer and that everybody will grow. But ultimately, it is individually up to you and up to me. Now, I think the church ought to offer programs and things that will help us in that. But at the end of the day, it's up to us to be committed and have a desire to grow in our faith. Where are we physically, emotionally, and then thirdly, spiritually? By the way, all three of these are connected. Number two, we looked at our personal help, but how about our congregational help? I don't want to spend too much time on this because I want to get to our text very quickly and give you a few things to take with you, but this is, this is heavy, heavy, heavy upon my heart. If there's ever a day that I'm there's a, a good crowd of folks here, and I want you to listen and get this and really think about this as it pertains uh, to the life of the church. I think we need to be very, very serious and very, very uh, conscientious to examine the health of our church. Now, in most people would say a, 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 a healthy church is a church that's full. Well, not necessarily. A healthy church is a church that's busy. Not necessarily. A healthy church is a church that gets along. Not necessarily. I've never been in a bar but I used to watch Cheers every once in a while, and then people in that bar were happy, and they got along. So that isn't necessarily an indication of a blessed church. So when we think about the health of a church, we need to look at it just like we do personally. Start off with our physical health. I was reading a book the other day. That's a small book, lots of pictures, but I do read a book. And it was Tom Rainer, and he was talking about young people, trying to get young people into the church. It's getting harder and harder, you know. And he said one of the, one of the biggest turnoffs of a young couple coming into a church are dirty nurseries and dirty restrooms. Wow. Never really thought about that. And I read a little bit more and it said, you know, these couples go out and they visit a church and they, and they go to take their child into the nursery and the nursery's dirty. They don't ever want to go back. They go in to use the facilities and they're dirty. They don't want to ever go back. No, we never even think about that. Is it truly that important that the church physically be well kept? Absolutely. 
Is it important that we make sure we provide uh, space and, and things like parking and facilities? Absolutely. You say, well, preacher, look, we've got a problem. We'll get to it in a moment. So we need to, as a church, as a new year is upon us, to look, what are the physical needs? What are the most immediate things that we need to do? Another thing young people said, that, that whenever they went to a church, that if the signage was not uh, clear, and we, we've got our signs and things, we're getting better with that. But people that are new, you know, after we've been here a week or two, uh, we, we know our way around. But when a few folks come, we need to be very clear physically how they get around the church. You know what another thing was? This sort of goes along with the physical nature of the church. Their website. Young people today are looking for a church, and many times they're not looking physically. They begin looking, uh, you know, on a cyberspace, whatever you want to call it, and they're on the computer, and they're looking, and they're looking, and they're perusing churches, and, and they're looking for a church that's got an up-to-date website, and it's professionally done, and it shows that they are on top of their game. I mean, we need to be, uh, you know, striving for excellence for the exalted one. And you know what my pet peeve is? I got a few of them. But my pet peeve are church signs. There's nothing worse than driving by about mid-February and looking up on the church sign that says Pancake Breakfast November the 11th. And you're thinking, now wait a minute. You mean to tell me in five months somebody hasn't been able to change the church sign? Now we've got a very professional and, 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 and very wonderful church sign put her upper. Uh, and I appreciate him very much because that used to be one of my hats that I wore. But the point of the matter is that physically the church needs to be a place that's got its act together. Does that make sense? Say amen. amen. All right, secondly, the emotional health of the church. Now, follow me. Now, don't jump off the bridge quite yet. The emotional health of the church should not be dictated by the faithfulness of the pastor's staff. What I mean by this is there's got to be an act of the body caring for one another. Um, it, it gets overwhelming at times. It's just the nature of things. Uh, we will never be able to keep up. We will never be able to do enough. We will never be able to, to get everywhere and all of those kind of things. And it is overwhelming. But that's why God structured the body as it is. Because he knew that every person in the body had an emotional need. And we collectively can meet the emotional needs of one another, but not expecting one or two. You say, well, preacher, it sounds like to me you're just trying to get out of something. No, i tell you a story. Sweet, sweet funeral yesterday for Brother John. And I sat there and listened to Brother Joe, pastors of the Pentecostal Free Will Baptist Church. That's a mouthful just in itself. And Joe was talking about how on Fridays he'd go by and have, have, have lunch with Brother John. And, and I began thinking back to experiences of my own through the years when I was able to invest personally one-on-one -on -one more attention to our folks. And as the church has grown and, and the mission field of our, of, of our local body has expanded, the fact of the matter is there's just no way. There's just no way to keep up. Not if we're going to spend time studying and do the things uh, administratively of the church. And so, so you back up and you say, well, now, now, now God, what are we going to do? Well, you get back to the Word of God. You get back to the Word of God and the roles of deacons and the roles of the committees that we have and the groups that come together and the small groups and our Sunday schools and all of those things. And they come together and they're able to meet the emotional needs of one another. Thirdly, the spiritual health of the church. Now remember, physically... Emotionally, spiritually, all three things connected, the spiritual health of the church. Are we as a church spiritually where we need to be? If I were to ask 95% of you today, is our church healthy? Probably 95% would say, yes, I love you. But in prayer and in careful meditation over this, I do not think we're as healthy as maybe we think we are. Now, you might be visiting here today and go, oh, my goodness, I better run. <laughs> now, I think it's good that you realize there are areas that need improvement. If I go to the doctor and I say, Doctor, there's nothing wrong with me. 
I am perfectly fine. I've got everything just right. And yet he takes my blood pressure and it's sky high or sky low. He'd say, well, now you might not think you've got a problem, but there are some areas that need attention. Now, if that doctor tells me my blood pressure is high, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's good that he acknowledges that. It's good that he identifies that so that there can be a remedy. So let's think through this. Spiritually, where are we? I think we've got some great strides in the right direction, but are we where we need to be spiritually? Are we seeing ourselves daily growing? Are we seeing people coming to the Lord regularly? Are we seeing people being called out into the ministry? Are we seeing young people giving their hearts and lives not only to Christ to save them, but to Christ to use them in in the mission field and in the ministry and whatever it might be? There are areas that we need to pray and become more fervent. God, use us. Are all of our small groups and, and Sunday school classes steadfast in the Word? Are we running... And allowing God to run a very biblical church, spiritually speaking. Here's the deal. And I'll move on because it's getting really quiet. As a church, if we're not careful, we'll say, we've got to remedy the physical needs. We've got to get our community together. We've got to build us a building. We've got we to expand. We've got to do, we've got to do, we've got to do. But here's the thing. If spiritually and emotionally we're not where we need to be, when all of a sudden we introduce the physical and the building project, all of a sudden the spiritual and the emotional needs are going to become very apparent and we're going to find ourselves, as one Indian said to the other Indian, in a heap of trouble them. Tell you the story. Years ago I was working on an old Plymouth. Loving old Plymouth. You know why? Because I couldn't afford an old Ford. Loving old Plymouth. And, and, and my Plymouth, it had a, uh, a blown exhaust manifold. Now, some of you get that, some of you don't. But the exhaust manifold is part of what sends the bad stuff out of your motor. And, and that exhaust manifold was bad, but I didn't know it. I went to look at the car. Always, always be careful. Don't buy anything from lawyers or preachers. That's what they told me. But um, anyways, preacher had this car for sale, and I went and looked at it. And uh, I went, and, and I crank, he cranked it up, man. It just sit there and purred like a kitten. And I said, well, I wouldn't mind driving. He said, well, I'd love for you to drive it. But I don't. It wasn't really a preacher. But it doesn't have any insurance or tags. Well, I said, well, I better not drive it. He said, but I can guarantee you it's, it's good. Oh, it'll get you where you're going. Oh, it, I'll stand behind it because the ain't going to stand in front of it. Is what he said. And uh, so I bought that car. And I went and got a trailer and I put it up on that trailer and I took it home and I was so excited. Next day or two, I went and got me some insurance, got me tags on it. I couldn't wait to drive my new it was a, I think it was a 63, 64 Plymouth Valiant convertible. The top was no good, but that didn't matter because I just love riding around in a car with no top and let the wind just blow through my hair. So I cranked that car up behind the parsonage and I headed off. I was going to a hospital or something that I don't remember. And man, I hit and I, I got up about 45 miles an hour. And that thing started spitting and sputtering and backfiring. I never heard such in all my life. And of course, I went from hero to zero in my mind in an instant. I had bought me a lemon. So I slowed her back down and pulled off the side of the road and walked around it, kicked the tire, said a few things and got back in the car and I cranked it up. It's purred like a kitten again. And I thought, well, I don't know. Maybe it was just a fluke. So I put her in gear and off I went. Got about 45 miles an hour again and it started doing the same thing. Now here's the deal. Don't miss this. If you don't remember anything else, you'll probably remember this. It had a teensy, tiny little bitty hairline crack in the exhaust manifold. All right? Now while she was idling... No pressure, no heat, just idling. That crack didn't even show up. But once you put some heat to it, and once you put that motor under pressure, that's when you realized you had a problem. Okay? 
if a person's marriage has a little crack in it, let them try to build a house and see what happens to that marriage. It puts it to a test, right? Some of y'all have built houses before. If a church has any spiritual emotional cracks in her armor, when the pressure of a building program, when the pressure of expansion, when the pressure of debt or, or, or financial obligations comes so heavy, those cracks will become very, very apparent. Now, please don't, 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 don't come to any conclusions. Don't, don't miss the point. It is not, oh my goodness, I guess we better not do anything until everything's perfect. No, that's what I'm, not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying we need to make sure that spiritually and emotionally we are where we need to be, that the same fervor and the same energy is put into that as it would be a new building program. Here's the deal. If I told you, here, the committee's going to come and they're going to present and they've got a model up here, a life-size model of the new sanctuary and here's where the parking's going to be and here's where the welcome center's going to be and here's where everything's going to be. Man, we would get excited, would we not? I mean, literally, you'd be ready for the service to be over so that you could run down here and get a closer look and you'd be excited and you'd probably be willing to give and to support and you'd be, man, I can't wait till we get this done. But there must be the same energy and the same excitement and the same motivation to be where we need to be spiritually as a church. There have been times over the last months that I felt like, Cameron, you're, you're holding the church back. Because here's the deal. Let's just be honest with one another. That's basically what the church is waiting on for the building program. That's a lot of pressure on this little short, bald-headed man. They're waiting on me to say, let's go, let's go, to get behind it and push it. And, and, and I mean, get out and work, you know, the, the, you know, beat the bushes to get people to give and beg and plead and, and try to motivate you and all these kind of things. And all that's about the physical. But I realize that as your pastor, there are times that, that I'm not challenging you spiritually and that, and that maybe there's some areas that we need to grow. And I don't mean grow outwardly, but grow inwardly and that we grow deeper and deeper and deeper. Recently, as we were in New York, we looked at the New World Trade Center, and it's, it's just a staggering sight. But what you can't see is before they ever broke ground and began moving upward, they had built an entire city below with steel and, and concrete and all of, the, all of the foundational materials. There's an entire city down there. And they wanted to make sure that that was ready before they ever started growing out of the ground. So today I just want to challenge you, church, that we get very serious about that foundation, about our spiritual walk. And see, it's not just about the church collectively, but individually, that each one of us, it's just like a team. A team is only as strong as the individual players that are on that team, each one doing their part and serving in their own roles. Well, let me give you this and I'll close. Acts chapter 2. Here's the picture. Okay, Jesus has met with his disciples and his followers and he says, hey... The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. And when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you're going to know it. Because miracles are begin, will begin to happen. Things will happen to you that you've never experienced before. And it's just going to be awesome. And guys, you're going to do even greater things through the Holy Spirit than you've seen me do. And all of a sudden, there's a hush over the crowd. And they begin thinking. Now think about this. Some of them begin thinking about when Jesus opened the blinded man's eyes. And they said, wow, we're going to do greater things. Some were thinking when the leper spots faded away and they said, we're going to do greater things than that. You mean when the lame man began leaping and when the thousands were fed and when the seas were calmed and when the dead were raised, all of these things. And Jesus says, we're going to do even greater things. Wow. 
Acts 2. The day of Pentecost has fully come. Jesus is now ascended into heaven, been gone 10 days. They've been waiting for the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden he swoops in like a dove. I mean, miracles started happening. Verse 41, 3,000 souls were saved in one day. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and of prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together. There was unity. They were together. They were in one accord and had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all members as, as each one had need. And they continuing, listen, daily with one accord in his temple and in breaking of bread of house to house to eat their meat with gladness, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord continued to add to the daily... Add to the church. Let me give you this very quickly. We've had our little checkup. We've looked, we've thought, we've talked. But here's just a challenge, a word of, of consultation. You know, the doctor's gone out. He's reviewed your files. And he comes back in and says, here's a plan of action. Here's how we're going to move forward. Here's how we're going to make the improvements that we need to make. Very quickly, let me give you three words. Number one is the word duty. Duty. D-U-T-Y. What is my duty? It is the Great Commission. Eight times in the New Testament alone, Jesus said this word, go. Go. The church is to be on mission. The church is to be an action. The church is to be going out. I'm reading a book now about being uh, moving from being inwardly focused to outwardly focused. And all the statistics and things just absolutely amaze you. We have created a generation where people join the church looking for a church that can do for them. Instead of looking for a church that will help them do for God. So what does it look like to obey the duty of the Great Commission? It is to move beyond this idea that, listen, I am faithful if I come. I am faithful if I attend. I am faithful if I join. I am faithful if I give. All of these things we've created throughout the 20th century that the church is a place rather than a people. That the church is a formal uh, expression of worship and we do come together to worship. But the church is a place that we want people to come to. Let me just tell you, I'm glad that you chose to be here this morning. I'm glad for the 130 or 40 people that chose to be at the Lake Church this morning. I'm thankful for those that will come back tonight. I'm thankful for those that will be here tomorrow night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night and Thursday night. I'm thankful when people come to church. But in the New Testament... You see Jesus over and over and over saying, Go be the church. Hebrews says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We're supposed to come together. Here's why we come together. It's like basic training if you're in the military. It's like a BLET if you're in law enforcement. It is training and equipping us to go. But here's the deal. If we have this idea that, okay, I'm going to be faithful in 2017. It's a new year and I'm going to be faithful. Therefore, I'm going to come to church. Then we've totally missed the mark. If we think that is the end of our obligation or that is the end of our responsibility, it is only the beginning. And I'm just encouraging you, there is nothing like getting to the point where you're going and you're experiencing God using you to do things that are absolutely uh, mind-boggling. To use you to do things that are greater things, as he said. Our duty, it is to go. In 2017, would you be willing to go? And you say, well, here he goes, going to start talking about mission work. Here's what I hear all the time. People will say, well... I don't see why we need to go all the way on the other side of the world. I agree. I don't see why we need to go all the way up to New York or some other place. I agree. Because there are needs right here in Bladen County. Amen. And we're identifying them every day. Uh, and I want to encourage you. Here's the deal. 
I'm fearful that if we're not careful, the same folks willing to go to Moldova, New York's still going to be the ones that are going to be faithful to go right here. Find your place wherever it might go. It might be your next door neighbor. That might be your mission field. It might be your place of work, your school, your athletic teams, whatever it is. But go, go, go. Number two. Not only do we see our duty as the great commission, but our discipline. That is the great commandment. What is the great commandment? It is that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind, but also that we love others as ourselves. So how do we get motivated to go? Because I'm going to be honest, there are times I have a hard time getting motivated to go. And I'm glad when I get there. But it's hard sometimes. When you get in a, in a bus and you know you're going to have to drive all night long and all them crazy people up there in, in New York, I mean, that's a lot of motivation. It's got to have a lot of motivation to get on it. But you know what? It's because you love the people there. I want to tell you, sometimes it's hard to drive them here to, uh, to Cape Horn Manor if you know there's somebody just that distance and saying, I'm going to go and I'm going to witness to that person. But when we get to the point that we say, I love that person so much, you say, well, I don't even know that person. Jesus had never been formally introduced to the guard that was beating him and stabbing him and making a crown of thorns upon his head and nailing him to a tree. But he looked at that guard and said, Father, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. Father, forgive him. Because, see, when he looked into the eyes of this man, he did not look into the eyes of his murderer, but he looked into the eyes of one whom he loved. Wow. Our motivation is love. I love the Lord and I love other people. I don't even know them, but I love them. And I I want them to know this gospel. I want them to know my Savior. That's our discipline in the new year. And church, it's not only individual, but our motivation must be love. Listen, we've talked about this in staff meeting the last couple of weeks. Everything we do as a church has got to be looking toward the outside. Now think about this just very quickly. Whether it's an Easter egg hunt or whether it's a fall festival or whether it's our Bible school or whether it's our Awana or our youth ministry, it's not just about having a really cool event so that all of our kids can come and enjoy a really cool event. But it's about offering an opportunity for lost people to be saved people. It's about offering an opportunity, not just in the doors of this church, but out in the community where people are seeing that we're serious about loving them and and leading them to Christ. After 16 years, I go back and I look and I think, I wished I could start all over in so many ways. Lainey says, me too, I was only that big. Hey, you know, I wished I could start all over. And, and maybe somehow have cultivated a, a different mindset, I don't know, that we would understand that ultimately it's not about what we do in the walls of this church that makes us the church, but it's what we do outside of the walls of the church that makes us His church. And that why we do what we do is because of love. Love for Christ and love for others. Nobody should have to beg us to serve God. I love my wife so much and she couldn't be here uh, this morning. She had to stand at the lake church. She fell this past week and broke her tailbone and maybe more than that. We're not sure. But she can't sit down. She's having a time. I love her so much. Nobody ever has to say to me, you ought to go home to that woman. Man, I want to go home to that woman. You know, you ought, to, you ought to take that woman out and buy her a meal. You really ought to do that. You owe that to her. Man, nobody will have to beg me to do that. But I love that woman. But you know, week in and week out, I find myself almost having to be begged at times to share my faith. And that's just being very transparent. I'm the pastor. 
And so I imagine in every one of us, there's probably a lacking in saying, Lord, help me to love you more. Help me to have such an intimacy with, with you that when I see people, I see their need. And, and I'll admit at 42 years old, I've got a heart for lost people more than I ever have before. You look at people with almost pity and you realize you're, you're totally missing it. You're totally missing the peace and the joy that Christ and Christ alone can offer. And I want you to have that. There's got to be a discipline. Number three, and I'm done. And that is our devotion. In 2017, what are we we going to be devoted to? I like to study the church. It's heartbreaking. 90% of our churches are are dying. Um, Mark and I were talking this morning. He made a great point. Churches used to be like a hospital. They were there to help people get better and go out and live. But churches sadly have become more like a hospice. They're just helping people die. In fact, many churches today have given up. They're no longer trying. I I share this with you. I love to minister to pastors and so many pastors. I was up late last night talking with one and trying to talk him out of resigning today. And I hear the heartbreak because he no longer is even willing to try. I tell you this publicly and I would privately thank you. You're you're a risk taker, church. You've been willing to step out on a limb sometimes. By the way, that's the only place you'll find any fruit. You've gone with some crazy ideas that the Lord has put on my heart through the years and I'm grateful. But I listen to pastors sometimes and they're just heartbroken because not only in one church, but they've been to church after church after church. And for about a year, the church seems excited and willing to grow and willing to, uh, you know, to to follow and and try things. And then after that, they said, oh, wait a minute, you're not going to come in here and change us. And it so breaks the spirit and breaks the heart of the church. And eventually they no longer even try. 2017, it's a new year. I want to encourage you in closing this morning in your devotion. The average church today is devoted to the church, to being the church. I've said this so many times, but I want to say it enough that it becomes something that rings in your ear. I don't want us to just be a good church for people looking for a good church. I don't want us just to be a healthy looking place or healthy appearing place. I want 2017 to be a year where we dig deeper. Where we grow not only in number but in spirit. If at the end of the year we don't have one single addition, yet we have a group of people ready to go in 2018 to share the gospel like never before, we have accomplished much. I don't want to just trade members with other churches. I want to reach lost people. I don't want to just take a trip a couple of times a year that's exciting to other parts of the world. But I want us to be on mission right here as well. I just want us to be this kind of church. If I were to ever start a church, I think I would name it Bible Baptist Church. Because I would want no doubt amongst the people that would drive by or hear of our church plant as to what we stood for. Even more important than being a Baptist, and I am Baptist through and through, even more important than all of our practices and all of our beliefs, at the end of the day, 
I want to be a Bible church. I want to be the kind of pastor that the Bible tells me I'm to be. I want to lead a church that functions as the Bible tells us our church should function. And you say, well, now wait a minute. What happens when we do that? Acts chapter 2. And the Lord added to the church daily. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Father, I thank you that you speak to us and that, Lord, we desperately need to hear from you. A new year is upon us. Lord, I realize the responsibility and the weight of being the pastor of this church. God, these people will never pass me. Lord, I'm to lead them. I'm to lead them in soul winning. I'm to lead them in disciple making. I'm to lead them in visioning. I'm to lead them in so many ways. Not as a dictator, but as a devoted servant and a devoted shepherd. So God, may I never get out of step or out of tune with your will. Keep my eyes focused upon you, my heart in tune with yours, my mind and my spirit from being broken. God, help us right now to set some challenges and some goals that are high and lofty and help us to surpass them all. May this church be your church physically, emotionally, and spiritually. May we be faithful to thee. In Jesus' sweet name, amen.